I'm really interested in the idea of imagination activists, that there's a form of activism which is just the very powerful force of imagining that things could be different and that we could choose who we want to be and like what kind of lives we want to lead. And I think, you know, for the for the direction that we as a human species need to go in this next decade and, you know, actually this next decade is crucial. Cultivating the kind of courage to do what you believe is right. We each find in ourselves what is our moral compass or our sense of what is right and wrong and I think that that is really important. I don't think we should we should shy away from that. The kind of decisions we're going to have to make in this next 10 years, often they're going to seem totally bonkers, like the kind of decisions that will actually change things. You're listening to the Spaceship Earth podcast with me, Dan Burgess. The concept of the Spaceship Earth is simple. We live on a life-giving rock called Earth hurtling through space. Like a spaceship, we have a finite amount of supplies with an intelligent operating system, which keeps everything we need replenished as long as we all respect it and use wisely. So an understanding of how this system works, along with deep cooperation between humans and all life, is essential to keep us thriving and the spaceship flying. In this podcast, I'm in conversation with humans involved in regenerating life, shifting consciousness, and reimagining how we can live more beautifully and peacefully. I talk with artists, activists, writers, designers, adventurers, healers, entrepreneurs, creative mavericks, and more. Their stories invite us to participate in the co-creation of a more beautiful, life-sustaining world in service to life, becoming crew on Spaceship Earth. Welcome to the podcast. This is Dan. Thanks for tuning in. It means a lot. Uh, I'm emerging from hibernation, sort of, in a period of composting the remains of 2021. Um, I've been trying to start this year in a more restful way. A revolutionary act, it seems, in this culture of modernity. Um, and I've been out on the landscapes as much as I can. Um, getting close to Gaia uh, and some of that time I've been reflecting a little bit on the next phase of this podcast so the intention this year is to mix things up a bit more um, keep some long-form conversations going with inspiring crew but also produce some more immersive episodes um, some shorter creative offerings and meditations from guests and obviously the cheeky music mixes for dancing our way into a more beautiful world. They will remain um, all offered up in service to life. Um, Fertiliser for these uncertain times. The great unravelling, or the great turning, as Joanna Macy would say, um, to help us reconnect with ourselves, each other, and our more than human family, and the vast intelligence of life that we're all a part of. As ever, I'm trying to figure out how to sustain the podcast. Um, one thing I would ask if you appreciate this podcast is to share episodes with others. Um, consider giving us a rating and a review of the podcast and maybe subscribe to our occasional newsletter. 
where we'll be communicating um, news, invitations to support the podcast through micro donations, community gatherings and radical learning experiences to help reconnect and regenerate life on our spaceship Earth. So let's get to this episode 57 with Phoebe Tickell. Now, Phoebe is a renegade scientist, a systems thinker, uh, and as she puts it, member of the future generation. She's a solar punk uh, from the year 2072, uh, a planet where we speak to animals, plants, bacteria and ancestors. And she's bringing life back to Earth with her moral imagination, mission and platform, which we'll dig into. Now, I met Phoebe properly last year, although we've been sort of gently tangling over many years through our individual inquiring and collective networks. Um, but Phoebe is an extraordinary human and the work she is doing, I believe, is some of the most vital work of these unravelling times. She's part of a wider emerging field of humans who are intentionally focusing on ways to support people to build the capacity in all of us to use our imaginations to design and bring forth a new world where all life, present and future, is considered, where we create new human systems where care and responsibility for all life, now and in the future, is baked in. Phoebe has found her gift quite young. She's not yet 30 years old and she's putting everything in service to life, which is what I find so exciting and inspiring because when we understand we are part of a vast, intelligent, evolving web of life and our gifts are the key to letting go of the old destructive stories, we begin to navigate our path towards bringing life back through our own uniqueness, invariably orienting towards serving life itself. And so this conversation happened in a wood around a fire on a dark, cold and beautiful January evening in Devon. Um, I was on a road trip in my van. I'd been surfing that morning and I met Phoebe later that afternoon this therefore was a very emergent conversation we didn't really plan anything i couldn't read the few notes i'd made anyway as it was dark it's a reflective conversation i think because we were both stirring if you like from slowing down at the end of 2021 a sort of period of wintering and composting which we speak to so we're exploring some some big questions and reflections that were alive for us in that wood at that time but i think these uh are questions which feel vital for these times um i really enjoyed this conversation i encourage you uh, to explore phoebe's work uh, i'll link to all of her links in the show notes follow her on twitter for sort of beautiful imagination flavored fertilizer um, and as I was about to record this um, today, I saw a quote from mythologist Michael Mead, and it reads, Imagination 
is the deepest power of the human soul. Imagination is the deepest power of the human soul. So let's cut to it. This is episode 57 of the Spaceship Earth podcast with Phoebe Tickell. You're listening to the Spaceship Earth podcast with my dad, Dan Burgess. So, Phoebe, welcome to the Spaceship Earth podcast. Thank you very much. Great to be here. And uh, this is like, I think this is possibly the most exciting uh context environment place even <laughs> that i've recorded an episode in so far i mean we've got to have to we'd have to describe this a bit because mm. obviously people are you know it's audio it's imagination <laughs> it's all about it's imagination. The imagination close your eyes and imagine a beautiful burning crackling fire and blue blue flames smoke and burning embers there's um there's some i think they're crows or or rooks that are roosting it's dusk it's dusk it's yeah. dusk and we just heard a t- uh, tawny owl we did did you say yeah i'm hoping we'll we might hear a few more of those yeah um but we're at, we're in um we're in the marvelous woods uh behind Schumacher college indeed and beautiful the thing the last thing worth mentioning is the beautiful tall redwoods yeah, redwood trees in deep in in deep D- Devonian landscapes. <laughs> <laughs> it does f- those, have that feeling, doesn't it? Yeah, for those those uh, those folks not of these lands, we're down in the um, in the southwest um, parts of England in Devon, and um, this it's all come together like beautifully because I. What I'm really excited because I've come down to Devon and we're doing this conversation and I love the fact we didn't really we didn't really sort of plan this if we just said like I said look I'm coming down for you do you want to meet up we'll do this podcast I've been trying to catch up for we've been trying to do this well we've, we've had this intention haven't we for a while and uh, and now we're sitting literally round this extraordinary fire in this incredible wood watching the dusk sort of fall and um i mean you couldn't really have asked for a better <laughs> spot could we <laughs> no and it was it was amazing because you yeah before you came down i had this thought of like i'd love to uh, i know you you do loads of um nature connection and being in the wild and i was just thinking like you know we could record a conversation like in inside or maybe we could do something just spontaneous like go and go to the ocean or go and light a fire um and then we we came out you know we went and got some wood and we came to the forest and <laughs> what did we, we find thinking, thinking we were going to have to start a fire and we found a fire <laughs> yeah. and like not just any old fire but like sort of like one of those kind of like just extraordinary campfires already lit burning and this isn't a lie by the way this is this, this is actually this is actually happening this isn't an um, an imaginal kind of desire it's <laughs> imaginal <laughs> fire exactly it's right here and i've taken some photos so you can you'll be able to what you'll be able to you know but to see these with the in the episode notes the photos of where we are but it's just yeah well, i just love that it's really um it's really lovely when things just happen mm. with a little bit of an intention but not not much. It doesn't happen happen that much. I have to say, in my life these days, where I can sort of walk into the woods and there's a fire. Total emergence. Yeah. Yeah. And um, 
it's um where are we we are we're in the th- third week of january mm-hmm. third week of january 2022 um and um yeah how are you feeling how are you feeling right now uh, how am i feeling right now um well i'm i just love i love being out in nature mm-hmm. and that's part of why i'm based down here at the moment um i think in a larger sense how i'm feeling that's a bigger question (laughs) (laughs) obviously what we've all collectively been through and this last like two two years has Mm. it been just the the distortion of time and so much has happened it's felt like it's felt like 10 years condensed into two um i've just come out of a quite a reflective period um which i I guess is actually continuing which is nice it's funny when you take time out to reflect and you know connect to yourself and and you just think actually isn't this how i should always be Mm. (laughs) not like a this is me taking a break um but yeah it's it's left me feeling very grounded and centered which is really really nice um and also just yeah just really that feeling of there's so much to do and yet you know we can all only do the things that really bring us alive that's what we were talking about just earlier is you know finding those things that really bring you joy and you can't do everything you know you can be an activist and someone who really wants to have a positive impact and try and be of service but yeah it's like the it's like the fire isn't it it's like you can't burn if, you, if it burns too brightly it'll it'll end it'll exactly we'll be we'll be cold <laughs> it'll be cold, we'll be cold in an hour and dark <laughs> so you've got to pace it and yeah. add bits of wood exactly this um this this pausing though isn't it this slowing down and you know i've been sort of again sort of really intentionally trying to um yeah just move a little bit more as much as i can with what i can what i can see and feel that the more than human world is doing right now i'm trying to sort of i'm trying to um be guided if you like informed Mm. um since the same thing having taken a bit of a break at the end of the year and just recognizing like you know like not like you know i sort of came off the internet for nearly three weeks you know just and just how after a few days once i saw the twitching had sort of stopped um just how i started to read again like piles of books i've just been struggling to you know mm. to focus on and actually just being able to be to, to have the sort of ability to have a you know attention really mm. which is which again is this thing of like at least for me is always like running you know running really fast you know it's you know urgent times action you know um but there's something very interesting and challenging as well about sort of trusting mm. the the pace that it feels like you know as i say the if i think about what i'm experiencing in these you know in this january from what i can sense around where i live and what i'm seeing around me you know it's a, i know there's stuff going on beneath the soil and in the trees and all this great sort of stuff that's going on but there is a clearly there's a kind of slowness mm. and um and I've been trying to trust that this month and actually really, 
massively benefiting from it. Do you mm. know what I mean? And there's the panic, for, at least for me, there's panic of like, oh God, you know, work and find this and got to secure this and, you know, but actually by, re- actually I've been resisting intentionally and it hasn't been as difficult as I usually find it. Mm. And I'm what I'm noticing is that from that space and from that sort of quietness, some really interesting things are happening, like fires being made in the woods, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and if, if uh, as we'll probably come on to in this conversation, like if you really believe that the the earth is a magical place and, a you know, and a, even maybe a being itself like Gaia, then, you know, how can we notice the magic? How can we perceive that magic that's right there and access the imaginal and the... You know these these things that make life really special, mm. you know, and really mystical. Um, part of I think slowing down is then having the the a bit like even just opening the space in yourself, in your mind and heart and being to actually notice that mm. stuff that's happening around you. And it, since you say it, 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 it's it's funny, isn't it? How actually, you know. This is it's all it's always been there. It's all there. This living earth, but actually, it's like we it's like for whatever reasons in this in this kind of modern world, it's become increasingly more challenging to notice to notice what is not human or what mm. is more than just human. Or at least that's my perception when I when I sort of look around and you know listen and sense how other people are finding the world and everything that's going on in it and but actually it's interesting isn't it because in many ways once you've sort of like understand maybe learning how to notice and sort of practicing how to notice because i think it is a practice Mm -hmm. then it's like ah it's all oh yeah (laughs) It's (laughs) it's all it's all live exactly yeah and it's like the the world becomes like poetry or art you know it becomes like something that you participate in and and is lyrical and poetic and um beautiful um yeah there's so much there's so much that i could i'd love to dive into on that because that's you know in in the essence that's what a lot of uh the work that i've been doing and i know you've also been doing is around this shifting of perception um but not what's interesting is it's not you know shifting perception to get away from the world it's the shifting of perception to become in closer relationship with what is actually here and like you know that's like my background in science has been a really big part of that because um i believe that science in many ways has led us to be like more alienated and and disconnected from nature and reality and the magic of being human but actually there are like there's science that can take us back into relationship and like learning about you know the wood wide web and mycelium and uh even the microbiome like it's just insane when you learn about how bacteria are controlling our moods and you know like our appetites and stuff and yeah, when I was a scientist, I was, um, especially actually once I left science, I was learning all of this. Um, I was calling it at the time like postmodern biology, 
which is funny because it's probably now like people might say it's like metamodern biology <laughs> whatever that means mm-hmm. um but that you know that there's this there are these new discoveries in biology and things like epigenetics and the microbiome that are just um almost leading us back like a kind of secret breadcrumb trail back to this close interdependence with nature and with as you say the more than human um yeah and i'm fascinated by that it's um it's it's, um when you talk about science because i think again like in our sort of and again i i guess what i'm thinking you know in our sort of maybe western globalized the global north very modern modern kind of techno sort of heavy cultures when i think of science now and i see it as when i talk about science with my kids or whatever you know it's it's there's a sort of sense of um and i guess with covid we've we've been experiencing a lot of this you know chatter around science you know but it's interesting isn't it because of the sort of certainty of science do you know what i mean and and what we look we look for answers um but yet as i've as i've you know through my own explorations trying to understand you know this kind of this sort of western view of science and and how it's evolved over what is just a few hundred years really um, and what and what that science doesn't uh, refer to, you know, what it what it doesn't speak to. And I've been listening to a lot about, you know, sort of indigenous science, which will be, you know, has been sort of yeah. seen as, you know, it's not science because mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not yeah. it's not science how we see it in the West. But so all all that is kind of missed out and mm. not included. Yeah. Um, and I think that's why it's such it's such an interesting time now because it feels like at least and again I'm no scientist, but my understanding is that the leading edges of science are effectively converging with what mm-hmm. ancient wisdom and indigenous cultures have always known. Mm-hmm. Everything is alive. Everything yeah. is in relationship. Everything is connected. Yeah. It's like, oh, wow. Yeah. We've got this amazing discovery. <laughs> Guys, stop the bus. Actually, we're wrong. we were wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit. It reminds me of... Um, back in like 2013 or 2014 when I just uh after I'd graduated I became quite involved in uh mindfulness like teaching um teenagers mindfulness so I was it was part of um a bigger curriculum a project a company I was involved in um starting called 225 Academy I mean I'm like hesitant to mention it because it's a whole story of itself (laughs) so I'm like that's a that's a whole chapter if you want to go there I mean, yeah, it was a it was a massively um, massively influenced what I do today because it it was after I'd gr- I went to Cambridge for my undergraduate and really struggled with the the learning environment and like the I mean with multiple things like one of the things that I really struggled with was the way science was taught and the fact that it was so reductionist and you know I took um, a module in ecology and we didn't spend any time in nature and like we just you know it was it was like ecology is all about the study of relationships in nature and yet we were you know the the expectation was to like learn lots of categories and it was all about dividing up and kind of learning names of things and to me it felt like I wasn't getting closer to Mm. life I was getting further away because it was becoming like an abstract Mm. um analytical thing um but the other part that 
that didn't fit the way I wanted to uh, wanted that experience to be was like the learning environment it was you know it was like one person at the front of a hundred person lecture hall you know like crammed each week we were kind of crammed with information there was like 12 lectures a week you know like three like five or six hour labs it was such a onslaught of information it's like reminds me of what um edward wilson who recently passed away was like quite a big inspiration for me as a biologist he, you know he talks about how we we have we're overloaded with information but we're totally starved of wisdom and that was that experience of like there's no time and space to really learn and sense into you know this this amazing stuff we were learning and to like really integrate it um and a lot of other things you know it was just like very very disconnected from you know what do you want to do after your degree there was nothing about well, like what what do you want to do with your life who are you mm. um asking these bigger questions which i think i've always been asking and in a way like that's resonated through this last 10 years is like asking these big questions because it feels like that's what's important that's what shapes like a human life is mm. asking that question who do i want to be uh, you know what what is my life about and like what am I here for what what do I want to be in service of um, this is a big ramble so we're talking about 225 do you rambles have, are good yeah rambles are good 225 academy so that was after I graduated and a friend friend of mine from college was starting this company um, to run transformative learning labs for teenagers age 11 to 18 and he got in touch because I'd been posting about you know how we need to transform education and i was reading krishnamurti at the time so amazing um philosopher and mm. paulo freire and these um yeah amazing thinkers on education and um yeah and so we we had this crazy company that ran these five-day learning labs for teenagers and we went out to singapore and hong kong and uh dubai and mumbai um, and and try to deliver these curriculums that, you know, are, the way we thought about it was like, what would we have loved to learn at school? And so mindfulness was like a really big, was a big part of the curriculum. And teaching kids about like the neuroscience of mindfulness and why it's so important. But And to loop back around, um, I just remember like at that time, all these studies were coming out about how like neuroscience is showing the mindfulness and you know this practice that buddhists have been practicing for like 2000 years with no science they just knew intuitively and they developed these ancient practices and wisdom um and then you know 2000 years later you've got science being like we found that it you know rewires the brain and it's like amazing for like stress yeah. reduction um and i just wonder like how many more how many more things are we going to discover like that that we've you know that we've rejected and then it comes back around as soon as science yeah backs it up a really key thing is that we don't have to go back to how things were it's and it's impossible to do that um so it's working out how do we you know the only way is through we can only get go through this this current time and integrate what we've learned from you know everything that's happened as you said this last hundreds of years of um the science since the scientific enlightenment and colonialism and all of the harm that has been done um that you know that we're all complicit in although some of us you know more complicit than others um 
And just that reminds me of, uh, you mentioned indigenous science. I just thought I'd mention Greg Cajete, who's an amazing indigenous scientist who, yeah, whose work really influenced me actually while I was here at Schumacher. Um, so just in case anybody's interested in that, mm. in that thread. And also Pat McCabe, mm. um, amazing work. I met Pat here at Schumacher actually in my first two weeks when I'd arrived in Totnes and I took part in a retreat that she hosted with um, Charles Eisenstein and yeah we've we've stayed in touch since and she's been a huge inspiration um, and recently came on on a course that I've just run called tool, uh, Tools for the Regenerative Renaissance um, so yeah that was if, if you're listening Pat it was amazing <laughs> and her, yeah also encourage people to look at her work yeah, and my, my, you know, I've, I've come across some of Pat's work and listened to to her and just in, in awe. Mm. But again, of this, there's a sort of, um, I guess, maybe this is even in just how she will deliver and speak to what she knows. It's still there's never a sort of sense of. And therefore, you know, this is the answer. There's a, there's still this sort of real sort of um, humility. Humility, yeah. yeah. Just you know, and I think this, this, I guess it's this tonality of of these times that's very interesting. You know how how we step into face into these things in in a, in a, with this humility, with this ability to hold that complexity and and obviously offer up our our learnings our wisdom of things but but how to hold lightly and to, do you know what i mean and mm-hmm. i think that's increasing that's that's something i'm really interested in and and i think you're you know i'm imagining through the work that you're doing um particularly how you know we can sp- maybe we can speak a bit to the you know to the to the moral imagination work but the work that you've been doing holding these kind of processes with people um what you're what you're learning from that because i don't know it just seems to me that this how we do things Hmm. is really now this is what that's the real key thing you know it's how are we actually convening how are we speaking to each other how we do you know what i mean how are we bringing our 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 knowledge into spaces and how are we holding those in ways that we're you know when we're not we're not part of that old story which is you know yeah. This binary, you know, us versus them, hierarchical, violent, mm. you know, rude. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And I think um, for me, my journey has been realizing that we, you know, we talk a lot about changing the system and systems change and all of all of that uh, making change. But we are all of us are also the system. So it's really like it's a real, really uncomfortable paradox that, you know, we it's it's almost like a kind of loop, you know, where, where you're like, we're trying to change the system, but we're also the system. Mm-hmm. So how is that working? And actually for real systems change, we need to confront what that will mean for all of our lives. You know what? You can't really have systems change and stay in the same position of power and comfort you know comfort and our you know just really facing that I think is really important for anyone who yeah is is in that work like I don't know I'm just riffing here but for for me at least it took quite a big realization um 
to realize that you can't change the system out there it's also like all of our lives are going to change massively drastically um and it's going to be impossible to keep hold of the kind of old world power if we're moving into this new new way of mm. doing things um which i think is quite uncomfortable for many of us and all of maybe all of us yeah and it and it's it's um it's also like i mean i don't know about you but i i mean i you know as i say i feel you know it's been turbulent a couple of years but ultimately you know i've been quite lucky but i feel still feel even though i've rested and whatever over the last few weeks i still feel very discombobulated by everything do you know what i mean mm. and you kind of think what would like if you were going to you know if you were imagining now a sort of a, a society a culture that had just gone through what we've all been going through and obviously many have been going through um you know horrific levels of of um of pain and struggle but you would kind of go well if you were coming you know if you're coming out and who knows if we are <laughs> if we're coming out of this thing what would a sane culture do you know because a question i ask myself a lot you know it's mm. like i think they you know i think a sane culture would spend quite a bit of time talking about what's happened you know mm. and holding spaces for people to talk about what they've experienced and how they felt and what they've learned and what has been painful and you know mm, what I mean mm -hmm. like but that feels like the last thing that this still this 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 world the system we're all a part of wants to do I don't know if that yeah. makes sense but it's no, sort it of does. like and, and um and and so it's kind of like and of course I know you know on the ground across this wonderful earth there are people doing exactly that and our community is doing that and there is that going on but it feels like a sane culture would would be talking to that uh, you know it would be speaking to that it would be kind of like want it would be encouraging that do you, do you mm. know what i mean yeah um because yeah. because to move into to move into what is what is coming and to be able to move into sort of this you know this reimagination almost of everything mm. um you know you you that's that's not an easy thing to do if you're carrying shed loads of trauma, <laughs> fear, yeah. you know, anger, and yeah. you know you're struggling to think about how you're gonna, you know, feed your children or pay your rent. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think you're so right. Like this moment asks of us enormous amounts of empathy and compassion. And I think when you ask that question, what would a sane culture do I, the first thing that came to mind was like grief circles you know just like circles of people actually sharing um what they've been through and what has been hard and and supporting each other and you know it's so it's like some of these tools are so basic like we were talking about earlier like just coming together in circle and just you know being able to be um together circle like technology circles. as yeah. i like to call it yeah <laughs> so, really high tech <laughs> totally um ancient ancient and new ways um but people are yearning for that mm. and i'm really what i'm i get really excited about is creating containers or like the conditions where people can come alive to their own 
their own like agency, their own sense of like, oh, I can I can go out and organize this thing that that I need and I know others need. And um, I, I've talked I talk quite a lot about permission. It's like, you know, we I feel like a lot of us have kind of learned helplessness from you know, being in hierarchical systems and organizations and just learning that, you know, any idea I have will be shut down or <laughs> there's no point in trying and there's no point in dreaming and don't be silly, don't be, you know, this whole thing also of the imagination, like, oh, don't don't be like fanciful, like the thing that's holding us back, like one of the things that's holding us back is this sense of we're just going to be shut down anyway. Um, and I think hopefully over this next these next years like the kind of movements that will be born and that will keep on strengthening in the face of everything we're facing in the face of everything that's coming um that they'll be about people you know normal people coming together like um that quote by margaret mead like the small groups of people that come together i can't remember what the quote is um like never the the small groups of citizens. Uh, <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> well, if anyone knows what Phoebe's talking about, send us a message. Never doubt um, that a small oh, yes. group of a small one. group of that's committed. The only, that's all that's ever. That's something like that, isn't yeah. it? It's, like, it's, all, it's, all, <laughs> yeah. it's the only the only thing that ever ever changed things or something like that. Yeah. We'll, we'll get there in the exactly. end. Exactly. Never doubt that a small group of people. Can change the world indeed It is the only thing that ever has Never doubt that a it's all about cruise, isn't it's it? It's all about cruise. <laughs> it's all about it's all about relationship. Yeah. 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 Well back 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 to the more than human, isn't it? It's all about relationships, mm. not things. Mm. relationships um yeah i mean it's um i've been um uh getting into composting i mean i've been get i mean i've been composting sort of material things out of my kitchen for for years and putting them on my i've built this compost heap but we're going fascinated with it you know and then i you know like the whole composting process i find absolutely fascinating and very rewarding when you when compost pops out the the uh the um the compost pile a few months later um and then you put it on i put it on the veg patch and stuff grows and i eat that and i eat that stuff you know eat those veg and it's just it's just the most exciting thing because of the, all those relationships and then obviously then, you know, exploring, you know, the concept of composting more deeply and widely beyond just the, you know, just beyond just the sort of waste that comes out of the kitchen. Um, but the waste or the, you know, the, it's not always the waste, but, you know, like what, what happens through, through me, you know, all the, you know, the, and what happens for all of us but for me it's like what's what's happening through me that you know might be the projects that I've been working on or the the things I've got really tangled up in that I think are important and <laughs> maybe realizing that they're not or just <clears throat> or even just even sometimes like beliefs and you know and stories maybe that I've been kind of living by or whatever and then this so this idea of seeing these things more as you know more as you know seeing them as as cycles um 
as 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 life you know does um outside of our human realm but actually sort of so sort of starting to see some of these things and looking at them more as letting go of stuff you know letting go of of things and spending time kind of composting them sort of you know metaphorically but but this idea that actually <clears throat> there's something quite interesting for me and i sort of feel i feel we're in this time i feel we're you know for me i make sense of these times as i feel like um we're in this kind of very sort of lost time if that makes sense a sort of like a sort of lost like sort of stories that we're sort of living yeah, by space it. between stories yeah and i i feels like he, the sort of modern human the sort of, you know species is is lost we're lost particularly in the sort of these highly inverted commas developed sort of societies you know and and so i sort of have been looking a lot at thinking about you know the 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 need for things to die you know um and not you know but but more in yeah you know belief stories um obviously things like systems and behaviors and stuff but yeah but behaviors and stories are quite interesting because you know ultimately that's where i've been going quite a lot of recent is you know and i know this connects with you know this is what we've connected around a lot last year but you know these stories that we live by are the things that shape how we see the world and how we end up you know designing our lives um but actually there's this sense of like what would it what does it feel like and these times to me feel like times to sort of compost <laughs> to sort of for things to die quite a lot of these things that have been really they're just no longer serving life you know um so i'm really interested in in that and um and then obviously have been sort of exploring that myself and just in my own sort of how to let go of my own, you know, the things that are no longer serving me. I've been doing quite a lot of that over, over the Christmas break and actually getting into the compost, getting into the compost heap, <laughs> getting into the leaves and just, you know, just sitting down, just lying on the, lying on like the forest floor and stuff and getting, you know, just getting, smelling what's going on, you know. <laughs> Peeling, a, getting a banana peel <laughs> off your face, yeah. getting in amongst it. You know, I was in the woods on Sunday and just, just, just noticing how the the smell was shifting from where it had been like in November, December, you know, um, the leaves were really, were really, you know, really starting to, yeah, the, the composting process was really sort of underway, you know what I mean? Um, but, um, but yeah, I'm kind of, I'm really interested in, 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 in those ideas, you know, that sort of like how they, that can be quite a powerful and useful way of thinking about how to let go some of this stuff because I, I i feel that sort of you know we look at the complexity you look at all these problems and i speak to friends and peers who are you know you know in their own ways are really starting to struggle with where do they go next with their lives because so much of their what they thought and you know if they've got kids or whatever so much of it has been based on this this identity these stories you know and they could, I, without them saying, you can start to sense that they're seeing that these stories are coming apart. Mm -hmm. You know, they're not, yeah. they're not what they thought they were. You I know? See, yeah, I see that as well. Do you know what I mean? And I see it in organisations as well. Yeah. Like, you know, what's beautiful and also, um, you know, very frightening. I'd say for a lot of organisations that I've, I work with, and and also you know leaders and people is like they see that it's not working, but 
the alternative is so scary because it's so unknown it's so like you know if we have to change everything what like <laughs> what what's going to become of us and yeah it's just it's just such a huge amount of um of uncertainty and unknownness um that i think you know the the role of everyone who has uh done that gone on that journey or found those alternatives and you know everybody you know everybody listening if if you're someone who ever ever did go on that journey of leaving a job or you know leaving a kind of previous way of living behind and diving into something very different it is very uncomfortable in the first couple of years or months or how you know however long it takes you it takes different amounts of time um but that journey is basically the journey that everybody is going to have to go on if we are going to shift society from basically being a self-exterminating one to one that can be life-sustaining like joanna macy says you know like life-sustaining society that can thrive um and I wonder, as I'm listening, but I, and I'm wondering whether this, this, the, this idea of, you know, this story of certainty. So you say, like, this people have got this fear of, oh my, but what, you know, what possibly, how, you know, but you know, I'm increasingly thinking that this story of certainty has been like a sort of 50, 60 year illusion because I'm one, you know, I just think like the last few decades in particular is just created. Mm. I see this total illusion of certainty mm. and this kind of linear sort of idea of progress and certainty and yeah you know a, like a ponzi scheme where the earth is at the bottom right exactly <laughs> and because like because we've because people have been kind of educated and 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 culturally groomed to think that we just sort of exist above nature we just sort of build on top of it <clears throat> and not aware of the relationships and the and these impacts it's like what you just sort of think that you're just going to keep sort of going upwards you know what i mean but, you know, again, I think of our evolution in an evolutionary time. Did we ever, you know, I can't believe people ever, for most of our evolutionary time, would never have certainty of the future. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Would have been, most of the time, I imagine, would have always been uncertain. But you would, like, you would have practices and community and ways of living that helped you lean into that with maybe joy or, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And presence. Whereas yeah. this feels like a really recent thing, this mm -hmm. idea of certainty and i think it's a, probably a very western yeah global north privileged thing very because <laughs> yeah. i'm guessing the majority of people on this earth you know have no certainty never have exactly it's like the is it william gibson who said like the apocalypse is here it's just not evenly distributed mm. yet or maybe that's a i think that's a a riff on the original quote um but i that's the quote that that stuck with me is like you know the apocalypse is already here climate change is already here when people are saying oh god you know climate catastrophe and breakdown is coming it's like yeah but it's actually already here yeah it's just not here here yeah it's in not the west in, exactly it's not in london yeah but it is present already um yeah definitely i like what you were saying about the yeah the kind of living in uncertainty and i i think um through I'm just remembering a conversation with Nora Bateson who talks about kind of addiction as a really good metaphor for this time. It's like, you know, it's like an addiction to a certain way of living and and often, you know, in an addictive pattern, it gets worse and worse and worse and it's like this acceler it's an exponential curve, you know, addiction to drugs or whatever it is smoking or alcohol or or you know shopping shopping <laughs> netflix <laughs> <It's like> netflix <laughs> 
everything it, it can be it's this you know in terms of kind of cybernetics it's like this um it's an ever-increasing loop and and in gregory bateson's terms like a schismogenesis which is like when systems go into overdrive and towards collapse basically so it's quite interesting that addiction has got that pattern to it as has the pattern that we're in as a society that's just accelerating accelerating on this uh, illusion that we can keep doing that that you know the illusion of growth of or we can just keep on um you know we can just keep on extracting and building and we're just not looking at the uncomfortable you know trail of destruction um it's kind of similar to to like a when somebody's in an addict addict pattern of like mm. not look not seeing the destruction because they're just in a pattern that they can't stop and i think like if we can sort of go into the i'd like to sort of just talk into this imagination realm because something for me about this and what you're speaking to and these patterns so one of the things again it's an observation and, and thing but it feels like it's very difficult to cultivate a an imagination when a you don't create space mm-hmm. um you know space pausing rest um and and also when you have when you when you i would say let's call it the machine right when you're sort of in this machine which is highly sort of techno fast sort of appears very slick and very sort of interesting but it's so removed from the life we're speaking to like you know the living earth and all of these relationships that and again what we understand by when you you know what we started this conversation when you when you your perception of the earth as a living thing when you when you when that's been tweaked when you've when you've seen it felt it your capacity for imagination just goes off the scale do you know what I mean Mm -hmm. so there's something interesting or, or, or really challenging at the moment I think as well about this fact that and that's why I'd love to get into the the imagination work because if these times are calling for radical imagination um, and the the, the fertiliser, mm-hmm. if you like, for that, mm-hmm. part of that would be space, rest, yeah. the ability to pause, the ability to kind of like, you know, to feel well, you mm-hmm. know, not to be panicking, for yeah. example, or, yeah. or highly stressed. Um, and also to feel connected to mm-hmm. that which is not human, to be to understand that we are, you know, this that we're part of this living organism, and therefore, to get us to imagine something that's going to bring that life back, we need to understand it and connect with it. And yet, the majority of people are struggling on both those dimensions to be in that space. Totally, yeah, absolutely. Um, on the imagination work i i mean i the way i think about it the image that comes to mind is like a white knuckled grip on you know things being the way they are and not wanting to change and fear and you know panic and stress and you know that that completely blocks the ability to imagine and to imagine in that boundless creative you know dreamlike way um, that is the, as you say, the fertilizer for new worlds, for different worlds, which is exactly what we need. Um, 
I've, I often talk about rewilding the imagination, like the need to rewild it um, and to, you know, exactly to spread fertilizer, to to allow composting um, and, you know, you're talking about rest and uh, taking space and taking a pause like that. That is how you make, I think, the compost to imagination. And then, you know, when we think about like in, in a lot of the workshops and spaces I host, often we um, invite people to talk about their childhoods and, and like the spaces in their childhoods where people were um, able to, you know, the, the, the places where they left like linear time, where there was just time to mm. explore, where, you know, there were no clocks, no screens. I mean, it's a very old and tired thing. Like, oh yeah, kids are, are too glued to screens, but it's it's so much more um, dangerous than you know. It's not just the screen; it's also the the being glued to the the time dial on the iPad that is you know counting the minutes. And I think you know it just hasn't been long enough um, in in terms of how long we've had like iPads and like you know bringing up babies, you know, looking at iPads from when they're born those babies haven't grown up yet to be adults like we we don't know what that impact is going to be on nervous systems and the imagination and it's you know it's really it's really frightening actually and that's why that's part of the kind of political side of um the imagination work which you know it really like it's like a fire that makes me want to do it is like the risk the cost of not tending the imagination is um, is like this flattened, you know, I talk about this great flattening, like this flat flattening of our senses and we won't know that that's happened. So it's like this, it's very dystopian actually, because it's like we won't be able to, to tell that anything's changed because we won't, people who, you know, when we're growing up in these uh, very digital flattened environments, we won't know what it was like to li- to grow up in a different way. We live on a life-giving rock called Earth, hurtling through space. How bonkers is that? You're listening to the Spaceship Earth podcast. <clears throat> yeah, and it's all happening very, very, it's all happening so fast. Again, in sort of in an evolutionary time, Earth time, we're talking like seconds or minutes, you know, it's just... Um, that these shifts are, these shifts are happening. Mm. Can you um, can you speak to for listeners like you know just give us a sense of moral imagination because I know that's obviously that's the, the the sort of core of your focus and and for folks just to understand like what 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 sort of what does that encompass? What's it all about? Yeah, definitely. So moral imagination is about hosting. A space for people to ask those deeper questions like who do I want to be uh, what what do I choose to do what kind of worlds are possible um, and obviously imagination we hear about a lot and there's a lot of uh, you know imagination has existed for as long as humans have existed it's not a new thing and I think there's been a lot of br- you know brilliant work around creativity and imagination especially like Sir Ken Robinson mm. who I know that um, you interviewed kind of six years ago which is amazing um, just love his work and his contribution to the the field it's extraordinary um, 
I think what moral imagination is about is like how you know what do we choose to do like the the this topic of choice of of actually you know using the imagination to cultivate a moral courage to act in this time and to yeah to cultivate a sense of how things could be different um it's also for me connected to the faith that there are different options than the ones on the table so that ability to to think no like i know that things could be better like th- this is all that's available right now like for example the education system like okay you can choose to go to this school or you can choose to go to that school but what if there's some what if there's a different way a way that is better and that takes moral imagination because it's like that that sense that things could be different and in being different they could be better they could be better for everyone like i think one of the the first ever uh, blog post that I wrote on my blog in 2015 was was a quote by Buckminster Fuller um, that you know the the mission I can't remember the exact wording but the aim and the mission of this time is to make uh, the world work for a hundred percent of humanity and all beings and you know that's that's what we need to do yeah. without any harm to the planet and without any cost to anybody Through continuous spontaneous cooperation. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. <coughs> so if that's the task, um, it's going to take, and everything we've just we've talked about in the last hour, like we're locked into systems that don't work. Uh, and so to get out of them, we're going to have to think differently. Like we're going to have to, we're going to have to think in ways that are not the current ways because those are the ones that we're locked into. So how can we use moral imagination to imagine something better? Um, and so... The practices and the the approach of the Moral Imaginations project is to use these shifts in perception using um, the shift to the more than human world's perception. So looking through the eyes of a more than human being and we can talk more about the practices or looking through the eyes of the future generations and connecting with our ancestors and where we come from. And when we expand that perception, when we expand, Brian Eno talks about um, the long the long time or like the long now Mm. I think he actually talks about the long now and the big here which I love and that's really central to this work is like the the long now is expanding our sense of time and really you know really placing ourselves in this cosmic deep time like humans have come so late like we're so we're like the little brother of all the other species as in indigenous traditions it's often you know, people often talk about um, that the human species is like the little brother, the one that's learning, that's here to learn. And the big here is like, you know, expanding that sense of, of where we are and who, what other species are here with us. So that, yeah, the project was born um, just around two years ago now. And it's really been born out of my work with Joanna Macy. So her, she's been an incredibly important teacher to me and I was trained in her uh, methodologies called the work that reconnects in 2016 and then after that she continued to be a mentor and somebody who who's just helped me um, on this journey of, of working out like what is the what are my gifts to give to the world and and what what would I like to contribute and what do I do with this background in science and but at the same time, you know, this desire to help the world transition to a different way of being. 
and yeah through her she's who actually introduced me to the term moral imagination and she speaks very beautifully on it so you know you can look up a video of joanna talking about the power of the moral imagination um so that's a little that's a little um introduction it. there's so much so much so much <laughs> just seems to so much coming. i was just thinking about the um you know the little the little human uh, the little baby <laughs> yeah. human and it just makes me laugh because i just sort of like but uh, my, my head just sort of takes me to sort of you know current sort of like uk politics for example and you just see these these these, these characters that are just like you know the hubris oh of just being these sort of powerful people and it's the thing you know it's like you know like plants you know they're the elders right i mean it's like oh, yeah. you know all the we're surrounded by all these tree all these plants you know the you know they've been here way longer than we have you know and just these yeah it's so interesting isn't it because again when you if you can imagine that kind of shift in perception you can imagine you know, we designed our our human systems with that kind of humility. You know, that kind of sense of this family of life around us that that we could learn so much from because they've been here for so much longer than <laughs> us. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you know, it's like how do we treat our sort of elder humans? Do you know what I mean? Mm. And 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 so that's that's just that's just like such an interesting thought. And then I'm just mm. it's listening to you talk about you know Jana Mason's ascension for me being here in in Schumacher the first time I came across her work was here um yeah I thought that it's really in, meaningful in that we're 2000 here. in I think it was 2010 when I did a week here and we and we did a during the, the week of of Gaia Theory we, we had a, a work the reconnects workshop one evening which was you know mind expanding and you know emotionally um what's the word <laughs> <laughs> emotionally stretching yeah stretching <laughs> stretching and um phenomenal really and uh and i think that's the thing when i you know when i when i think of the work her work that i've been exposed to and and read and witnessed and whatever just again just this just like you say there's it there's there's so much wisdom but there's also a real simplicity in it which is why mm. it sort of feels again the these times a, a calling for this for, for these types of ways of 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 sort of trying to know the world differently mm. um yeah something i was just thinking about as you were talking is um that i i always see it as as like it's a, it's always a choice like a, it's not that there's a better i guess it's it's a paradox because in a sense it's not that there's a better way and everybody should do this way but it's just like, well, here's, here's a choice. Like, would you like to, how does it feel for you to be connected with who you are, why you're here, a sense of your, your the generations of beings, both human and non-human, that have basically given you the opportunity to be alive on earth and the wonder in that and the awe and the humility and, you know, life becomes like, a magical thing um and it's a it's a choice you know it's not like you know you should connect to the more than human world or you should mm. you know um build an empathy it's like, you really need to check this this shit out <laughs> yeah, exactly it's like our friend paddy talks about you know if you want to change the system you have to throw a better party yeah isn't he that's yeah that's a great quote usually in the woods in the woods but um, I th yeah i think it is really important not to get righteous or uppity about like oh this is the better way this is the more enlightened way um 
And I, I always say, like, you can't make magic happen. You can just create the conditions for magic. Um, and people, and you can't force imagination. You can only invite and create the conditions for imagination. Um, and so I think that's really important because it's it's just a, it's a choice. That's all right. No, a log on the fire. This is just brilliant. Um, <laughs> I wish you were all here with us. Yeah. I, mean, I don't. I don't actually be a bit noisy, <laughs> but I do. But there it's are just, a lot of logs for everyone are. to sit on. Um, but so yeah. So on that, like creating the conditions. I mean, I'm probably gonna. I'm putting it. I'm probably being a little bit cynical, but I wouldn't say. In my experience, we've got generally in sort of everyday life these days, the conditions for cultivating our imaginations are. Are, human um, father too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like I mean, you know, because again, I can. I mean, listening to you, you know, it makes my head. You know, my head jumps to children. It jumps to people in work. It, yeah. But you know, probably because you know those are things I. You know, I, I, those are connections that I can make. But I think you know, to start with children, for example, you know, when I, you know, it's what I see quite quickly. You know, just even just in my own little view of you know my own experience of being a, a parent and watching children grow up is that that imaginal capacity is kind of you know it's there from very young um and when kids are given the space um and you know a bit of guiding to sort of cultivate that you know it's because go but then you see them going into kind of schooling and it feels like it's just like imagination is some sort of slightly weird kind of like you know, again, it's like, well, that's not going to help you. You know, that's not a pro- productivity uh, mm. quality, you know, or sort of getting ahead on mm-hmm. imagination doesn't, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I'm probably being a little bit, but so, ha- you know, and that's just obviously with, with, with kids and, and, you know, I think about working with, you know, businesses and mm. again, what I experience, what I see, what I feel is that there is a, real um often a real lack of um confidence in using imagination and then if you want to lay in moral imagination at least my understanding i guess my shorthand would be you know i know there's a lot more to it but you know like imagination with a sort of responsibility almost you know sort of you know um again it's not not the it's not an obvious thing for folks to go to no uh, in those kind of contexts because again of sort of you know wanting to play it safe you know and mm-hmm. keep within the and be productive be productive yeah. and not wanting to maybe you know rock the boat yeah. or so what what's your experience of that with 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 this work and how you how are you seeing people show up and what can you what have you learned about helping people cultivate this mm. well i think what you bring up about kids it's really sad but it's really hard like as you say like schools are not places where imagination is cultivated and um something you know really interesting from the neuroscience angle is like in our brain we have these different circuits and this is what i talk to you know i've talked to businesses and organizations when we've done this work um with imagination which is by the way incredible to be able to you know, to go into places, to into organisations, and um, you know, working with like policymakers, and to have, I think the world has has changed a lot that 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 is even being invited in. Yeah. 
that imagination is being recognized as something important and that's a good signal it's a good signal exactly and there's something for me about the moral imagination that is really entwined with like meaning and purpose like it's this i think that's a great shorthand is imagination with responsibility but it's what i find is it's it's a space for people to connect to what is really important to them and i think that's really subversive and it's not you know i think it's not where um it's hard to say you know society wants like to personify society but you know the industrial complex society that is all about producing and progress and you know these these um like factory models of production like it doesn't help at all in that paradigm to have people who are exercising moral imagination no <laughs> not at all paint up the arse exactly <laughs> what are you doing yeah, exactly. Sit disrupting down. the machine exactly and it's to me it's like a it's a form of um activism like it's an it's a oh we just had a little it's pigeon i think more than human creature <laughs> <laughs> love that um yeah it's a pigeon disrupting the something <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm really interested in the um the idea of imagination activists that there's a form of activism which is just the very powerful force of imagining that things could be different i think that's already just so powerful to imagine that things could be different and that we could choose who we want to be and like what kind of lives we want to lead and i think you know for the for the direction that we as a human species need to go in this next decade and you know actually this next decade is crucial um so important what we choose to do in these next 10 years and and you know next 20 years like cultivating cultivating the kind of courage to do what you believe is right and really it's really important with the word moral it can be it can sound very like you know moralizing and righteous and like yeah. you're wrong i'm right and <clears throat> just the idea of wrong and right as well it's you know back to the binary <laughs> yeah back to the exactly and it's like as a systems thinker and someone who who you know is all about holding paradox like i there's a part of me that really doesn't like you know kind of reacts to the word moral and yet it's interesting it's like how can that how can we shift that in that we each find in ourselves what is our moral compass or our sense of what is right and wrong and i think that that is really important i don't think we should we should shy away from that because actually what i think is like the kind of decisions we're going to have to make in this next 10 years often they're going to seem totally bonkers like the kind of decisions that will actually change things will mean doing things like you know we were talking earlier today like leaving a really well-paid high status job you know to go and spend a year in the jungle or to you know to take your kids out of school and uh, take them into nature or homeschooling like that's bonkers from the point of view of progress uh, you know wealth accumulation like having a career and that those kind of choices take moral courage they take moral imagination because it's it's you saying this is what's right for me this is what's right in my idea of the kind of world i want to live in and it's no one else is telling you that's right or wrong it's a choice that comes from your own sense of of self and soul are you are you on that are you learning 
as you're working with different people are you learning because that's really interesting about this you know this sort of personal deeply personal sort of compass but are you learning that actually that despite our our differences and, and whatever that there are these common qualities to the to the compass the sort of mm-hmm. well i think it's very connected to values you know and there's a lot of great work around values although i find um yeah sometimes there are there's a sense of what is right that you can't necessarily put into language and into categories of mm-hmm. like you know these are my five top values um I think that's why the like imagination labs and the workshops have centered on um expanding the perception to to include like future generations mm. and the more than human world because it's really important there's no formula there's not like I'm very careful as like the role of facilitator not to there's never an imposing of like this is what's right this is what's wrong it's giving people the space like just simply having a space like the work we we ran a, a four day imagination lab with um a community in Somerset called the Watch It community last year and then continued to work together after that and you know some of what i heard from the community members was just that like we've never had a space and and time and space dedicated to just explore like what is really important to to me and to us as a community like that in itself is powerful tell us a bit more about that and also just for for folks i think it was be intriguing like how does that how did that happen who are these people like what <laughs> what brought them to you know what me- brought them to this idea of like we need to sort of imagine our, the future here of or you know we need to sort of start to go on this journey of trying mm-hmm. to bring bring this place to you know this intention to this place what was yeah. tell us a bit about that if you can yeah well the invitation came from a very uh, you know very visionary uh, community organization called the onion collective and in particular jess uh, prendergrast and uh, georgie grant who are part of the onion collective they um were they have a project called attachment economics and as part of that project there they uh, jess was writing a book with um contributions from many different community leaders around the UK um all about you know exploring this idea of what is what is an economics that is reattached um to time place community and so and so they were looking for like a a narrative imagination partner um to help them host workshops with uh 30 or so community members who would go through um you know a couple of workshops originally just to to write um contributions to the book so like what is important to them and um you know what i love about um my work with the onion collective is like we both work with emergence so it was really like there was a real trust in like we don't know exactly what you're going to do like this is you know Jess and Georgie you know we don't exactly get what you're going to do but we sense that it's the right thing and that was you know that was extraordinary for as a kind of imagination practitioner i think having that ability to not have to promise the outcomes and the and the like outputs of these spaces is really really important for the imagination to 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 work <laughs> to actually to happen especially just to jump back to like work that i've done with mm. organizations often it's you know we it, there's a lot of trust building needed to realize that 
like the current ways that we're doing things, if we do those again, even though we are certain of the outcomes, we're certain that we don't want those outcomes because they're not actually working. So like to realize that, that, you know, you can have certainty in using like, you know, tried and tested methods, um, yeah just I mean like all sorts of things like okay we've got to plan the like next five years of strategy or like strategic aims all of these ways of doing things that people part of the illusion yeah people in organizations like they know you know like lead the leaders in these organizations they know that it's like it's just not really doing it and so to make that leap of faith of okay we're going to try a different way and it's uncertain what's going to happen. But at the same time, we know that the certain stuff isn't working. Yeah. So like, yeah, that's really important. Um, where were we with the, just trying to remember. We were talking about the, just, you were talking a little bit about the, the, um, the story of the, the Watchit community and mm-hmm. um, that, yeah. that, 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 that this, this trust in the emergent process that yeah. has 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 kind of catalyzed this work together. Mm. Yeah, and it's it's really extraordinary like, you know, doing this work. Um, you know, I'm not it's not like I'm it's not really like you can be like an expert in imagination. I mean you can you can and you can't. You know, it's like it just seems a little bit weird to say to mm. say that. Um, you know, I think with my scientific background, like I I'm the bit that I can bring from that is to do a lot of research around like the neuroscience and psychology. And as I said, I think I was saying that the brain has these different uh, neural networks of um, one neural network, which is called the default mode network is all about like, um, you know, strategic thinking, um, like uh, completing tasks. And it's also very connected to, um, building like a normal sense of reality and like a stable sense of self which is really interesting is and that then, is that are those the networks that tend to as we age and get on that tend to like i mean i can't remember i think it was michael pollan with his work on psilocybin and stuff was mm-hmm. talking about like that i think that those networks almost like if you imagine rivers and stuff tend to get quite in you know, over grooved. time grooved yeah and exactly. so we get locked into those pathways of, exactly. of, of thinking and imagining i'm guessing and so yeah yeah, yeah, exactly. But then the the other neural networks, like that network actually has to be switched off to access the network that brings about dreaming and imagining. And so, you know, to be able to access that rich compost of creativity, you have to create spaces that where you're not having to do both. You're not having to um, deliver an outcome or you know work under pressure to to make something happen and that's where like the rest and the kind of creating these these zones of um, you know like almost imaginal zones where where think you, you don't have to have an outcome or a strategic aim is really important um, and the other thing especially with the watch it project like it's it after the project was finished we interviewed um quite a few of the community members on you know what it was like and what happened and just remembering one of the interviews with um an amazing woman called sarah who's saying you know when i when i got the invitation i thought you know what is this and like you know who is this is this some i think her words were like is this some yoga teacher who's gonna like do some woo woo <laughs> woo woo thing which i i loved um but you know but she they you know she came along and and there was that trust but it's what's really interesting for me as the person 
who has this like slightly impossible task of like creating the space for imagination to happen and making sure people feel safe enough that they can show up and be there but not so safe that they can't like I mean it's not safety but not so not telling them so much that actually it ruins the fertile mysterious in-between yeah. space that actually leads to the ma the feeling of magic it, it really had a remarkable effect a strange effect really it was almost like magic um, the magic in it was the complete emergence of a five-year-old that I'd actually suppressed for tw 20, 30 years. This five-year-old that was constantly thinking, I'm excited about life. I want to do something in life. I'm appreciating life. But it is a remarkable sort of thing that you're doing. You're actually letting all your inner being, all of your nurtured soul come up to the top. It's bubbling through your body. It's not just a feeling where you're imagining that it's a physical thing for me it was a physical thing it's it's enhanced my senses my smell is more acute my vision is definitely hyper you, you pick out colors in nature so much more for, for me MI is just mind-blowing yeah because it's make, as you're talking it's making me think you know for me one of the one of the things I, I've witnessed and experienced and come to know is that actually when when we're on these kind of edges of what we know and don't know, you know, when we're on this kind of these uncertainty spaces and edges, you, you need some of this uncomfort, discomfort, mm -hmm. not really knowing. Actually, we, the, the sort of creative capacity is, is sort of seems to open up, like, you know, because it's, it's, always, it's a sort of very sort of fertile sort of condition when you're you know what i mean it's like we're on the sort of boundaries of what we understand yeah um and and and, and obviously again in our sort of modern controlling con cultures mm -hmm. we we create environments where we try to remove that really yeah. you know to make it sort of feel safe and solid and you know what i mean contain yeah. and actually you know it's mm. making me think now you know we're, look, we're sitting in this wood right it's pitch black okay <laughs> around a fire can see some of the stars through it's a cold january it's, it's stunning right and mm. my mind's just like racing you know and it's kind of like you imagine you know and you imagine like we pay we, you know we invest millions in these buildings and offices and putting people in these spaces you know to come into every day it's just like why don't we just in, why don't we divert all that cash into rewilding the world and just get everyone <laughs> out what to do it and to imagine the new world we want you know what i mean yeah there's the solution yeah. why well, just get rid of offices but but dan but dan imagine then everybody would not be doing all their work but then it but then you start to really question like the fundamentals you're like what why is work working? yeah <laughs> i met with an amazing um person called lou who's part of the resource justice um group it's a whole group of young people trying to shift wealth into systems change and um she she had this great phrase which was work is a scam <laughs> and it really stayed with me because i mean you know there's work meaningful work you know i think part of the human condition is that we all want to contribute you know we all there's a real beautiful desire to be part of the web of life and to contribute and to 
um, learn and to, you know, interact with the world. And then there's like the work that I think Lou is talking about is work as a scam. <laughs> it's like the work that is just to make the salary that is just to buy the house, at, you know, at these prices that are inflated. But, you know, it's like this kind of loop yeah. that that is completely divorced from like a meaningful life. Um, I really hope that, you know, especially with the conversations around UBI, although I think there are also a lot of problems with UBI as like a, a, a method that, again, there's a kind of reductionism to like, oh, you know, we'll just give everybody, There's yeah. a, that's a whole conversation. But, you know, I, I think there is, I'm very excited to see what could be possible when we realize, like, again, I think it's again, the like moral imagination of like, what is the point? What mm. is a human life? Like, why are we here? What what is our purpose like is it progress like to what <laughs> you know we 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 subsidize the hell out of you know this extractive stuff to try and speed up our lives you know whether it's mm-hmm. <laughs> roads fossil fuels all this stuff all to go faster you mm-hmm. know what i mean billions mm-hmm. and billions and billions to go faster <laughs> yeah. do you know what i mean yeah whereas like but faster why aren't we just subsidizing slowing down you know yeah. subsidizing i love that dan these local <laughs> you know, community-led mm. systems, you mm. know, to, to reimagine these systems to slow us down, to bring life back, to mm. to make, you know, to create more, you know, to, you know, to spread this kind of, you know, to, to create a, 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 a standard of living that is modest and sustainable and the accessible, do you know what I mean? Because that's really what we're talking about. Like the, the all of this grind that so many of us are involved in is not to benefit ourselves it's to support a system of extraction you know, extraction and shareholding and mm. financial systems and do you know what i mean i yeah. mean it's not it's it's extraction of finance and soul and energy and mm. but i don't know it's 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 funny isn't it because you kind of think like I mean, this, this doesn't, yeah, I, I'm fascinated, like, I mean, maybe we're full circling here, but it's almost like, wouldn't it be fascinating just to be having these conversations everywhere now? Do you know what I mean? Just yeah. giving, creating the space for people to speak to these yeah. times. Yeah, and I was so excited at the the pause that was, you know, yeah. catalyzed by the pandemic. The like great it, pause. The great pause. And you know, well, that and it was a a complex pause because it was also, and it still is, a time of massive loss and yes. grief and un, unequal loss. Yes. And at this, and there was this glimmer of, oh my gosh, the world has paused. Like there is a pause of work. You and know, most every day. Work is completely irrelevant. <laughs> That was the other well, bit. yeah, that was the other the other thing. Yeah, those of us that actually pause discovered that actually our work was completely irrelevant. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it was kind of like oh, only and, essential and, work and, and will the continue. Fo- the folks that didn't get a chance to pause that have, have yeah. been you know keeping everything going. Yeah, it is the essential work, and it's yeah. like the care you know caring. It's like we need to let's sub you know pour yeah. bunny into caring. Yeah, and love. Yeah. I had this. Um, Sorry, I'll be no, carried away. No, I love that. <laughs> I love it, Dan. <laughs> I had this like um, imagine, imaginal moment where I was just thinking, like, what if bankers, 
you know, ba- bankers and and management consultants. Like, what if all the bonuses from from the banking yeah. in industry went to the NHS this yeah, year? Yeah. Like, what if you know each yeah. one? Or what if um, another one that's that's like really got me is like, what if um, you could create a way for people with a salary of above a hundred thousand pounds to like, you know, have an option to to just like send a portion of their salary to teachers of just Brilliant. you know something just stuff like that yeah. it's like and i think i think there could be really interesting ways i mean i worked as a funder for for 18 months which was really like i was really interested in how to apply like different forms of governance so before really focusing in on this imagination work my obsession has been governance and actually they they connect quite a lot it's like different forms of governance governance for for people listening meaning like how we make decisions and how um, things like money and resources get allocated and and how we do that together and that can be you know how we use technology to do that differently or how to use like different forms of voting like you know the only form of voting most of us are familiar with is like is the the political system as it stands but there are so many different ways of doing decision making and voting and ways where people's real desires could be represented in the way the mechanisms we use to make dem- democratic decisions and participatory forms of governance and so like i think especially with like you know, we talked about the the dangers and the risks of tech and the digital world, but I think one of the things that it opens up, which is really exciting, is like these ways of connecting finance, like money, programmable money being able to be sent, you know, from a banker to to a teacher and to create these platforms mm. and these ways of rewiring value and, and economy. Like I think it is really exciting. You're listening to the Spaceship Earth podcast with my dad, Dan Burgess. Thinking about, you know, I'm again thinking about this forest. It's like, you know, where do you, you know, the nutrients, yes. where do yes. they go to? They get, they the go where they go where they're needed, right? Yeah. And and like right now, like you know where we need to be putting the nutrients is is all of those folks on the front lines the essential workers all the people have just been like grinding to keep everything going in awful conditions so vulnerable you know Mm -hmm. exhort you know that's where we need to be chucking all the nutrients now you know all the and there's imagine the excess of nutrients that sits in this culture yeah you know this kind of you know just the waste yeah and just how much is just not needed by those that have them you know what i mean mm. i mean it's well i think and i think people like as i said like working as a funder being really interested in philanthropy and uh wealth holders and you know not vilifying people with wealth who aren't you know sharing it but actually you know having compassion and and working with those people so that they can also feel part of the web of yeah, life that's interesting everybody yeah. wants to contribute and yeah, so there, there's a real invitation rather than than kind of being like, oh, you know, you, us, and them. Mm. I think part of the work is to is to really work with, find you know, again, moral imagination, like the people, people's 
I, I really believe that everybody has that fire in them of, of like the way they thought the world would be. And I just think it's been for most of us, there's a death by a thousand cuts of like, you know, we're kids and we when we're kids, we have these ideas of what our lives are going to be like and what the world is like. And, you know, slowly by all the little kind of compromises or the moments of like disillusionment or, you know, re- deciding that, you know, it's not really possible to to dream like that or to hope for something better. That that kind of sense of of who do I want to be, how do I want to contribute, gets um, slowly kind of winnows away. Um, but I and so I think the work, the imagination work for me is really about um, creating the spaces for people to come back alive, to reconnect with life. It's like Joanna Macy talks about coming back to life. Mm. Like, I don't think there's one human being on this earth who doesn't want to feel alive and to and to feel connected and and to find their place in this web of life. It's almost like a sort of infection. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Not yeah. another one. Like Shit, a mycelium. Sorry. A mycelium. Yeah, exactly. More like a fungal yeah. infection. Not involving masks, not bad, you know, not the bad and stuff and, and hand sanitizer <laughs> and stuff like that. Not that, not that kind of infection. No, Nothing. but yeah, like a, like exact, but like a kind of inoculation. Yeah. An inoculation. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Spores. Yeah. Sp- imagination spores. Imagination spores. <laughs> I love that. Yes. The imagination mushroom. Yeah. <laughs> Talking of the more than human and the mushroom, can we can we speak a little bit about the more than human? Yeah, I I've been very very influenced by the time I spent working here at Schumacher College, which is all about you know I I was lucky to meet teachers like um, John John from Eight uh, Shields. Um, I'll, I I will remember him, but if you type in John H. Shores, you'll find it. Well, like, you know, there's nature connection. Bill Plotkin, his work around eco-psychology and soul craft. Um, obviously, Stefan Harding, who I work very closely with, all about, you know, reconnecting with Gaia and sit spots and finding a place in nature and sitting in that same place every day. That's like a really simple practice. You choose a spot. If you if you live in a city or a town, if you just have a spot, even in a park, where you go back day after day after day, and you just commit to going back. You know, every, I mean, every day is obviously really, really um, impressive in our busy, stressful lives. But even if it's once a week, that you start to develop the sensitivity in your perception to see the very gradual shifts in the more than human world so you know the the trees you know the leaves on trees slowly changing color this is something during the pandemic in the first like three to six months of the pandemic when we we ran the first ever public um, moral imaginations lab it ran over six weeks um, and people would show up once a week on a Friday and we would run, we'd create this imaginal zone where we would host these different practices. And then in between the practices, people had um, kind of like a mission or like tasks to do to help cultivate the imagination in between the sessions. Um, and so developing the ability to go out and to just notice what is there to listen to the bird song. And to notice how how the bird song changes, for example, throughout the day, or if you go, you know, back to your sit spot every every time at the same time, you know, can you hear the same bird singing each time? And just waking up to that 
like the extraordinary existence of, of like birds. Like I, I know that sounds like really really crazy we love, but we love birds I on love the space bird. Bird. I love birds <laughs> I was just sometimes I just get taken over by this feeling of gratitude that that our world still has birds mm. in it given that we've you know we've created so much noise pollution and destroyed so many of their habitats but imagine a world without birds without that bird song you know birds just singing it's like totally free you know you don't have to buy an, an iPad iPod to like listen to birds sing. It's to it's there for us to listen to. Um, so that that's one of the ways. And then obviously one of the core practices of moral imaginations is is the Council of All Beings. Mm. And this is a a practice that I uh, learned a version of from Joanna Macy. And you've also participated. Many mm. people have participated in um, the Council of All Beings. So sitting in in circle together um in person and voicing you know speaking on behalf of more than human beings um i mean we should we should chat that because it's quite like my, i mean my experience of the council of beings which was actually it was here in fact it was here that's really um, funny and i've hosted it, councils of all beings <laughs> here so it's really it's weird it's all here and uh and i i mean i remember like um so we because we the the um we did like the first of all we had to sort of had a bit of a gathering to explain you know a little bit about what we're going to do and then we we got into like trying to find our our being um which i think we were encouraged i think think we did some sit spots or something when we were sort of like you know encouraged on that sit spot to sort of kind of like have a little sort of start to sort of imagine like what was coming you know what was the being that we wanted to to become and then there was the whole mask making uh um experience which is like absolutely brilliant so um you, you know you make decide who you were i think i was what was i i think i was a willow tree um and you often you to, remember <laughs> yeah. like people often remember even years yeah, later I was a willow like, tree. this is who i and, was um, and you make the masks right everyone makes the masks, and then you have the then you have the actual the council and we, i remember we went into the we were actually went into the, one of the buildings and we we did it and obviously there's a whole process which i've sort of forgotten but effectively you are you are voicing you are bringing life right to these more than human beings and you are speaking to these times and how you imagine how you believe how you feel that this being might speak to these times right mm -hmm. and we're speaking to the because there's a human there's a human sort of present, right? If I remember rightly, is that right? There, is yeah, there are many different many different ways of you know do, hosting yeah. hosting the session. So you, yeah, in in the one you were in, it sounds like there was also a human. It was because I remember yeah. I remember they got were a lot the... a lot of a lot of grief, <laughs> a lot of stick. Right, rightly so. Mm. Um, um, but it was it was a you know it might sound whatever you know, but it was it was an extraordinary experience. That, as I say, this was probably. 2010 10 11 12 years ago and i still remember i remember actually um uh a friend of mine chris who was in it he was a slug and i remember he was a slug because he had a welsh accent he was a, a slug with <laughs> a, a welsh, welsh, slug. welsh slug um and um my friend mark was a was a buzzard mm. uh, but yeah but it was very powerful um, can, you know, can you share a little bit more for folks? Because I think it's, mm. you know, how, and also particularly how, because there's always that, because I think there's a, what I also recognise is there's the, going back to what we've spoken to, you know, about we're not, you know, many of us are not 
you know used to you or being encouraged to use our imaginations mm. so there's something about the invitation to people to go on this process that i thought was interesting because i could you know to that uncomfortableness mm-hmm. of like oh my you know oh my god, god. i'm gonna be i've got to be a being like what am i gonna be and then <laughs> yeah. how am i gonna what am i gonna say and yeah but then when you when you let yourself go and you cross that threshold it it's powerful right it's mm. uh, yeah it is and i think i think that's the I have to say it's you know it's been many many years of of practicing and training in that work because it is it is a big thing to to help people feel safe and and you know like they're not going to look like an idiot to to go into that kind of space and to explore things that are very different to you know anything they've ever potentially ever tried before maybe you know they remember as children playing make believe or role play um but for many of us it's probably been decades since we did that kind yeah. of thing um yeah and the mask is interesting isn't it because it gives you that sort of it allows mm. you to sort of yeah to sort of gives you that kind of confidence to yeah. to express yourself yeah and it's interesting and kind of shaman shamanistic you know cultures and practices like often the mask is a way of um you know we talk about possession but often you know saying someone's possessed is a very negative thing but actually you know possession is can be a wonderful thing to be you know to have the voice of another being you know human non-human speak through you that's the core part of you know some of these very ancient mythical powerful uh, traditions and so some of that is com- coming through um it's a very very yeah it's a very powerful um experience in in different you know in all sorts of different practices and and exercises speaking on behalf of another um someone something or someone that is not you yeah. i think but there's something as you're speaking it's making me think you know going back to this your you know the the scientific realm in the rational mind, because people go, oh, but you know, how can you be a, a willow tree or you know, a, a, a slug or whatever? But but if we go back to this, you know, this 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 story mm. of interconnection, you know, that that we yeah. we are in many ways, you know, we are yeah. we we share bacteria, bacteria, always, DNA, you know, sort of you know, cell, all kinds of stuff that is, you know, there is this permeability between us and all that's not. So actually, you know, when you start to sort of work from that place yeah well we are right mm. we just i mean we, you know what i mean yeah it's like, yeah, it's, like it's not it's not make-believe <laughs> no. it's real yeah, exactly <laughs> here we go we're going back to the exactly. beginning of back our to, and conversation these are our relatives yeah. our family here <laughs> it's very it is very psychedelic um when you start realizing these things are just you know that's just the truth that's just science um psychedelic like i think the I'm trying to remember the etymology of the word but it you know it's about I think it's about the shift of the mind. Mm. You know, obviously, we associate it with medicine or you know drugs like mushrooms and LSD. But you know, psychedelic can also be about that quality of shifting, um, yeah, perception. It's about to sort of like yes, yeah, psyche, right, and yeah. soul, and yeah, and uh, and 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 again, I guess that's that feels like the thing isn't it the psyche the soul has you know these 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 i i use this word modernity because i do feel that it is you know it has it's encouraged us to to not to not connect with that you know to 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 
separate ourselves from that and yet i i i feel that that's the it's the root of so much mm. trauma for people that not and it's almost it's very difficult to even realize it because you can it manifests through all kinds of traumatic things but the idea that it could be this you know that we're not we've you know we've lost this this greater connection to this mm. you know our sort of psychic our soul selves and our and and the the more than human <laughs> i would say it's never too late never it's too late never too late it's never too late never um i i feel really strongly think like i don't know when in my life i'll i'll focus more on this but since i was actually really young like the idea that everybody should have the access to go and spend time in nature yeah. has been very very important to me and although i guess the flip side of that that's a bit difficult is like if everybody spent time in nature at the same time i guess then you know there'd be fewer places where you could you know truly experience being alone in nature but i i you know i believe there's enough there's enough space for yeah for but everyone. there's something for me again you know if we if you if you look at even but there is you know there is the sort of nature as destination and True. and nature as in you know you know because again you, th you you know we've we've designed sort of places of you know where we live how we live we've sort of designed nature out mm -hmm. of of mo modern cities places right you know we make it concrete and steel and whatever and there's a few trees here or whatever but you know i mean i always think again match back to imagine my i sort of see i can imagine like if we just rewilded cities and all the places that were like desperately have been sort of desperately um where the natural world has been removed yeah. right and yeah. and also again folks that really need this stuff right what that would that imagine what that would be like like would people how would people feel like would, imagine walking out of a of a of a you know a, a, a block of flats that was just you know immersed in mm. you know plants and we know that you bring plants back you'll bring birds back you'll bring insects back you'll bring life back you know imagine a sort of a sort of humming thriving mm. city you know like what would you would you would you be as angry would you be <laughs> as would you would you want to would you have a level of stress where you distrusted everyone would you want to go and buy more shit do you know what i mean absolutely <laughs> I well know? it makes me think of that famous study with the rats and the you know the the study where they put they had two rat cages one rat cage they called kind of rat paradise so there was there were loads of toys and games and um plants and they made it you know there was food and it was an abundant place um and then there was a cage where it was just there was nothing it was like completely bare of of things you know toys and nature and then they put um these kind of water dispensers and put cocaine in the water dispenser and the rats in the rat paradise didn't use the cocaine at all it was there they tried it but they didn't they, they didn't do it again and obviously in the cage the the rats became highly addicted on cocaine mm. and it just you know again makes me think about like people yeah people living in conditions and in cities where they feel disconnected from who they are and and they don't have the things they need for well-being mm. um and what that leads to and that is 
I think that's almost like at the core of what we're talking about here. Yeah. And that's the stuff I think, again, I just, you know, that feels, again, like how we, how, you know, what, what, you know, how, what we decide is valuable, I guess, as, as, as cultures, you know, like you think now, like you think about, I have no idea what it is, but like the billions that goes into sort of weaponry and defense and do you know what I mean? And this Mm -hmm. kind of, this weird idea of like, you know what what is needed to protect you know and to sort of be safe <laughs> whereas like yeah. you think wow imagine like a fraction of that being kind of like just invested in bringing life back into cities into places mm-hmm. you know just i like the vision of the city huh? i love the vision of the city yeah, yeah with the just like, rewilded like city. and what that you know but that's stuff that people can people can see and feel and experience quite quickly you 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 could notice how that was playing out do you mm-hmm. know what i mean like yeah like yeah. what does that do what does that do and and it just that it just feels like it feels like these things these things aren't they don't feel they feel very achievable mm-hmm. with a shift in yeah <laughs> in perception of what is what is valuable what is valuable no totally and like i i for the last like couple of years i've been really fascinated by how we ascribe value and it's something that um i've spoken with daniel schmachtenberger who's an, a really interesting thinker and kind of modern philosopher and the idea of you know how do you we look at a tree this this is like bothered me actually since like you know when I was at university was like thinking about economics and how you know when we think of a tree the only way we have to value it is um, by its its material it's cutting it down yeah it's the wood it's the dead it's only as a dead thing we don't have a way of ma- valuing and measuring its value as a living thing. So we can only value it as dead, which immediately, obviously, totally discounts its value mm. as alive. So then the whole system is skewed towards cutting down the tree because that's the only way it can actually bring us any form of value that our system recognises. So again, it's perception. Um, and and so, you know, we, that's just one example, but there are, there are many, many different, ex- obviously, like just, you know, building a concrete building on top of um soil like we don't have a way to um have numbers in our system because our you know our whole financial system is based on numbers and numerology so what are the numbers in our system that can recognize and represent the value of soil and rich fertile soil which actually we find out radical things like you know when people put their hands in soil they they reduce their levels of depression because of like some of the 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 kind of some of the st- i can't remember like some of the stuff in the soil like yeah. actually physiologically it has a, a an effect the microbes and yeah 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 and it's like we we don't even know yeah. what we're destroying yeah and so like i think that's well there's that, there was that great thing isn't it i thought sort of again about sort of you know the as as again and, and it feels like common sense when you talk about this stuff but you know the that discovery of the the gut microbiome yeah. and how in people who are eating food plant-based plants grown in local soils mm-hmm. without chemicals um recognizing that the 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 microbes in the gut are identical to what is found in the soil yeah and actually like that's that's a sign of of health and as yeah. we've destroyed the soils through industrial ag and whatever you know obviously you're taking that you know the, the depleting those 
that content of the soil and the the, pr- the products that we're producing are you know becoming full of chemicals and whatever and mm. that's replicated again in the gut and that's yeah. obviously leading to all kinds of um disorders and diseases and, and health oh, things yeah. and so again so this is value of like like you say like this relationship between the human and the more the, hu- the more than human is so profound it's so in profound. terms of it in terms of the health and the well-being that's mirrored right mm-hmm. of healthy ecosystems healthy humans you know it's mm-hmm. planetary to- health totally entangled yeah. yeah um yeah i remember when i i used to i worked for a bit in regenerative agriculture when i was just come out of um the the lab working in the lab and working with like algae and bacteria and soil and um something that i remember finding out was that like when we deplete the complexity of soil, like the the microbes that make up this like diverse soil, we deplete the complexity of the sugars in the plants mm. that we then eat. And then that actually reduces the complexity of our microbiome, you know, the wow. bacteria. And then that leads to things like gluten intolerance and, and, you know, dietary struggles and mental health because the gut is so connected with the brain. And, and like there's a direct I think the vagus nerve connects the gut to the brain and actually some of our gut bacteria um, secrete, like release um like neurotransmitters like serotonin so there's like direct you know the human mind is connected to the soil wow i mean what (laughs) you know that kind of so Um, cosmic yeah that kind of science is the science i want to see taught in schools not the science that's like but but that but that requires and this is sort of we're going full circle which maybe you know is is interesting because but it's making me think again you know there's a there's there's an uh, there's an unknowingness to all of this mm. right there's a sort of there's a part of this which is is at least for me, it's to me it says you know we can understand so much but actually there's what we also i think what you, what this speaks to is that there is this complexity that is unknowable mm-hmm. but yeah, but you, so you have to trust in that and you know some of it we can understand but actually that having that curiosity of the, the complexity and back to you know this stuff has you know, we're the we're the baby again. You know, it's like yeah. we're we're learning, yeah. but 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 there's this this intelligence that's built up over over this you know these these billions of years is is, is so much that we can you know we can't know it, and and so back to the composting. That's what I'm feeling a lot at the start of this year is about how to compost certainty and knowing (laughs) and and sort of bringing sort of life and light and energy to sort of unknowing and you know that there is awe and wonder again to this and how to bring that back and to nurture that because that feels really it feels like a shift that's really important to let go a little bit of the of the certainty and 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 the this desire to feel that you have to be able to figure it out and justify it and it's there and we have to know it mm. and if we can't if science and 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 all these fantastic things that we've we've developed are you know if, if we can't prove these things then you know how can we possibly know it um <laughs> so yes yeah, so i'm composting certainty and knowing <laughs> rational Wonderful. knowing Wonderful. intellectual knowing yeah i mean it's got its uses it's surely. got its uses don't throw the baby no, I'm not out, throw of the it out. I'm not gonna throw it out yeah, but, but you know what i mean i remember when you were talking about science you're like i'm not a scientist but actually like you know how can we all 
we can all be scientists. It's about, you know, again, you know, perceiving the world, being sensitive to the world. And maybe it's more like more similar to an indigenous scientist mm. than uh, the, the kind of current progress driven, uh, you know, industrial funded <laughs> academic uh, intellectual scientist. Maybe it's a different kind of scientist. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think exactly. And I think that that connection that spending time tr you know trying to connect to that all this is not human you know whatever we call that you know the ecological self for me it's like the natural self right <laughs> it's like that deepens our understanding and our desire to of, i think that our understanding of who we are but also then our commitment to you know mm. to sort of yeah to wanting to 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 bring our kind of moral imagination to life because we we're we're more connected to the the awesomeness of it all you <laughs> yeah. know what i mean yeah to the to the gift of being a human yeah. it's like wow yeah i i love how joanna macy talks about the gift of being alive mm. and and she just totally embodies that wonder and that sense of like what a miracle to be alive and to be she talks about being a self-reflexive human like a human who can reflect on the world and and actually just in a conversation this morning um with a friend we were talking about um you know how grief is what cracks cracks us open um and it and and joanna macy talks about the heart that breaks um break the heart that breaks open can hold the whole world and so again like that you know the grief and the holding the world and that in a way this is my friend andy who was saying human beings are all, almost like the universe cracking open to to notice itself which is very i mean it's very philosophical mm -hmm. but there's something about this gift of being a human being and being able to reflect and and the importance of choice having the ability to make choices about what we do and who we are isn't that the essence of being a human yeah and and I don't know, I have a, I sort of have a feeling that, you know, if you ask this question, if you ask this, you know, if, or if you created space for people to, to imagine the futures they wanted, I actually think the vast majority of human beings on this planet would want a different world. Like I, I actually think the minority, we're in a, it's a minority, and again, I'm not, I'm not sort of trying to sort of, you know, you know who's right who's wrong but what i'm saying is sometimes it feels like this belief that nothing can change my sense increasingly is i don't know i'm not I'm just <laughs> not i sure. just think it's because we're not again it's we're not used to sort of thinking about all we're not used to being asked to imagine to yeah. consider a different future we Do don't you know, know I mean? who, who will listen and, and yeah. you know i mean the worst thing is if you express like what trying to imagine how things could be different and then and then it's like, yeah, but who? no one's listening and it's never going to happen. Um, but if we believe that it can happen and we can come together in these communities and, you know, there are things that we can take into our own hands. Like not everything has to come from government. No. So that that kind of empowerment to, to decide. But I mean, it's funny because I'm I feel like, you know, imagine like oh, the moon's just come I know, up. I know, I was see? about to say, just <laughs> look behind us because there was this got, bright light. It's just, what is it? It's, it's, wow. it's waning, isn't it? Two days off the full Amazing. moon. But it's absolutely... 
It was a Cancer full moon. I'm a Cancer. Right. <laughs> it's the Wolf Moon. Wasn't the, it? wolf the Wolf moon. moon. The first full moon of um, 2022. And we've now got the moon sort of rising on the other side of the wood. Um, it's, it's. I was just thinking, like, imagine, like, I was just thinking to my my um, my oldest daughter, who I was, you know, sort of painfully talking about school and. Um, Subject. I just imagine, imagine, imagine going to like moral imagination class. Oh, well, I've got double moral imagination oh, wow. uh, tomorrow morning. Do you know what I mean? Imagine, like, imagine that. Imagine if we were like cultivating that in oh our children. Gosh. You know, it's like, why aren't we doing that? It's oh like, why? If you know what, you would definitely want to do that for your GCSE, wouldn't you? You go. I'm oh definitely doing moral imagination. I'm double. I mean, it should just be a. <laughs> it should just be a curriculum. But that's, you know, I, I often feel, I come back to the young and in because I I've. But they give so much, give me so much hope. So much hope, but, yeah. but like, but I just think like, you know, what they have to deal with. You know, I often think about this, like what they are experiencing in these times, like the, you know, this, you know, if we drill into the, let's just drill into, you know, where we live, this country, you know, you've got, you know, a, a sort of political culture of lying and deceit and fear and divisiveness, and they see it. You know, they feel it. They hear people. Talk, they see it. You've got this kind of weird culture of you know i don't know it's just so it's just it's i know there's lots of good stuff bubbling up and lots of other great stuff but they they are exposed very young now to you know look at the climate issues the, you know so many things they see and feel you know covid you know being locked down for two years you know not being able to snog anyone not being able to, you know what i mean yeah. all these things that they, they yeah. ex- they're experiencing at such a young age yeah and so for me i'm like well why aren't we creating spaces for them to you know, they actually, they really know that mm. we need something new and different. And you kind of think, like, the least we could be doing is allowing them to work with their dreams, you know. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because instead we're forcing them down this, this is what you need to know. <laughs> you know what I mean? This is the knowledge that's important. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's actually, it's interestingly bringing up... Um, when so I, I'm ranting. No, I feel like we're both quite good at the ramble. <laughs> the ramble and the rant. The ranty ramble. The ranty ramble. Yeah, it's reminding me of when I was working at Imperial College uh, London after, like it was my first um, role in science after I graduated. And I was part of a group that started the fossil-free divestment campaign mm. there, like trying to, you know, I was 22, trying to convince the financial um manager of imperial college was like this yeah trying to convince this older older man um that that what really needed to happen was that we take the university's investments out of fossil fuels because if you're investing in the destruction of the future then you're directly harming the students futures like it didn't make any sense and our argument, you know, it didn't it didn't work, but my fingers are still crossed that, you know, that's we started that um must have been twenty fifteen. So, you know, seven years on, maybe which Harvard just divested um from fossil fuels after an eight year campaign. So I'm I'm still excited to see if that mm. ever happens with Imperial College. But um yeah, we had this argument of stranded assets of like, you know, the the when you look to the future, when you imagine the future, you can see that fossil fuels won't be part of it. So it's putting your money into fossil fuels is a stranded asset. And I think it's the same thing, like with young people putting, you know, going through an education system to prepare them for a world that won't exist. exist. It's a stranded asset. Just just doesn't make sense. Because most of our sort of, you know, 
major learning systems, education systems are still preparing kids for a high carbon competitive world mm-hmm. you know um what what does your daughter say like what how does she find find I, it i mean i think she's you know i think she's i would say you know she's anxious um she struggles i think with you know again just like finding your your curiosity you know because it is such a sort of it's a you know it's a it's a factory mm. do you know what i mean yeah. you're just you're just moving through a production line mm. you know that's really mm. what's going on in these places and mm. it works for some um some some kids can can do it and they can put their heads down and do it many can't why we're still upholding these systems mm. because when we we have so much knowledge we 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 know how to do extraordinary things to help cultivate beautiful you know resilient human beings do you know what i mean we yeah. there is so much potential and possibility now to reimagine these human systems Hmm. you know what i mean it's like yeah. I, I, I i literally my brain can't compute why <laughs> yeah. why you know why 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 hmm. because and so and i think with children we you know with the future that's coming we, you know the very least we could be doing um is reimagining these systems so that children have some chance of thriving in hmm. the complexity and uncertainty you know, these aren't, I say these aren't like, it's not like we're looking for big technological shifts or big innovations. It's just a reimagining of a of a human system <laughs> so that it's grounded in a a reality, you know what I mean, mm. a, 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 that is that is connected, that is empathic, that yeah. has responsibility, that yeah. is based around care. Do you know exactly. what I mean? It's like, exactly. And that's why, for me, the moral imagination work is is systemic. Like often... You know, it may seem like, oh, it's very personal work. It's very, it's, it's personal development. But for me, it it's all about how we shift perception to be able to build an economic system, a, a democratic system, an education system that includes all of these things that are currently not being included, like a, a, a vision of the future generations and what's going to work for them like the stranded assets and the you know not investing in fossil fuels or an education system that you know prepares kids for the kind of world that's coming like that kind of yeah that kind of wisdom mm. it's like a designing um systems with wisdom that's what i think we need bring it on Let's bring it on, Phoebe. You're bringing it on. You're, You're bringing, bringing it, on. it on. We're all bringing it on. We're all on. bringing it um, on and we will, yeah, we will be, we hopefully will be in forests like this one as we bring it on. I know, look, the tawnies are out now. Maybe that's a sign. It's a sign for us to sort of... <laughs> it's very dark. <laughs> it's very dark We've been dark here for about now. three days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, Fasting. So, a couple of things. Um... How can what's a good way for folks to to sort of go deeper into what your work or to follow up on? Yeah, you can uh, visit www.moralimaginations.com, mm-hmm. um, and I also have a Twitter account. Which I'll you know, link to if all you're of on that. Twitter, then 
yeah, that's that's the best place to go, moralimaginations.com. Your Phoebe's very good on Twitter, I have to say. I find it's definitely worth following. <laughs> you want to um, have your mind opened up. Um, well, yeah. Thank you so much for this chat. Dan. Oh, thank you. It's been great. Mm. I've loved it. I've loved it. I've, it's been very special to be in these woods. Mm. And I'm, um, that moon now, look at it. It's just like actually beaming through oh the forest. Gosh. Yeah, it's um, the shadow of the trees against the moon. I mean, Amazing. It's and it's gone quite still now. Absolutely gorgeous. Um, so last thing, um, you know, I like this analogy, obviously, of the, you know, as has been well documented, the, the Earth as a spaceship, and uh, particularly this idea of of becoming crew on spaceship Earth in these times. And I like to finish with that question. Like, for you right now, what does that, what does that conjure up, becoming crew? Give us a little... A little thought on that one. <laughs> I love, you know, I love all of all of the way you describe these things, Dan. I love the spaceship Earth. It's Buckminster Fuller, right? It is. is. It it's, I mean, it's, it's we both you know, love it's, it's Bucky. Many many folks have have have, have exp, you know have sort of riffed on the concept of Earth as a spaceship, and I, I'm just another bloke remixing <laughs> it because <laughs> I like it. But, I um, love it. But, I love it. I but, love becoming crew. But I, but I'm but you know, it's, I mean, and I guess it's, it's interesting. Sorry, I will shut up in a minute. But um, that's because, but this, because what one of the things that s- sort of spangled my mind was that I got really excited by this kind of idea. You know, it was Marshall McLuhan who talked about sort of like we know because Bucky Fuller said we're all astronauts, and then Marshall McLuhan said, "Oh no, we're all crew." And I was like, "Wow!" You know, that really spoke to me. This idea of sort of crew because for me it was like community, adventure, participation, you know, being sort mm. of in service to mm. something a little bit mysterious. And But, you know, but as I sort of have dug deeper into that, you know, what I've sort of come to see is that, you know, the, the real crew on this earth right now are the more than human. They're, mm-hmm. they're the ones that are in service to life, that mm. are serving, creating the conditions for life. And the modern human has become very passenger-like, you know, um, quite removed. So I'm really, that's the, so that's what, I, what I'm sort of like, I guess what that's, that's the sort of, the thing I'm exploring with this is, is how to, yeah, how do we become, how do we sort of step into service more? And, um, and for that, obviously it speaks to various things, but I was just curious about, yeah, what that might say to you right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What comes up for me, becoming crew, the image that comes up for me is like, is coming down from like almost like coming down from the pulpit like coming down from this position of being above everything and you know being kind of yeah transcendence and go actually funnily it's like you know our obsession with getting to the moon it's like just come back down to earth and and reconnect with life like get back into there's, the world is waiting it's yearning for human participation like it's waiting and it's yearning for us to to reconnect and and i i think that's that's what's coming through for me it's like join the web of life um and and be part of this crew and i love the idea of i think also it captures the uncertainty there's something also about step into the adventure of your own life you know step into that adventure and and the uncertainty of that and find the others love it love it 
compost the certainty. (laughs) (laughs) That's a really good one. Jump into the uncertainty and we'll see you on the spaceship soon. Amazing. Thank you very much, Phoebe. Thank you. Go well. appreciated listening to this podcast would you consider sharing it with a friend or leaving us a rating or review via your podcast provider it helps more people to find us and we'd be most grateful so i hope you enjoyed that conversation with phoebe um you can find links to her work in the show notes um as part of our experimental intention this year um We'd love to hear from you if this has provoked any thoughts in you when it comes to reimagining the future. If you applied that moral imagining lens that Phoebe speaks of, um, what would you reimagine? It could be anything, a system, a behaviour, a policy, a way of being, a relationship, something in your community. Let us know and we'll share them. Write us an email or record us an audio clip and send it to hello at the spaceship.earth. Now, in the spirit of experimentation, we're going to follow this episode with a bonus episode, a short experiential episode inviting you to further explore your moral imagination. Now, this piece, this episode is based on a story called The Impossible Train. It's created and narrated by Phoebe Tickell. It will need about 10 minutes of your time and you'll need some paper and something to write with once you've listened to the story. But that will all be explained when you download the bonus episode. So go and download the bonus episode. Thanks for listening. If you've appreciated this episode, please consider sharing it with someone else or consider giving us a review. Going to play out with a track. It's a new one from the legend that is Bonobo. Um, It's a beautiful track called Sapien. It's really speaking to me right now. It's from the new album Fragments, which is massively worth investing in. This podcast is created in service to life for you. It takes time, funds and energy to make. If you'd like to contribute to the running costs, you can donate the price of a cuppa or a pint. Find the link on our website. This podcast wouldn't exist without the following crew. Charlie Shred, Audio Jedi. Vicky Turner, Show Notes. Seaman Home Burgess, Engine Room. Willow Burgess, Jingles.